I'm Rechard van Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 203 for the weekend starting 12 January 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, 5G is coming. Also this week, the best and worst performing tech shares on the JSC, the chip security debacle, and HTC has a new vibe. Mm, it's a brand new year and lots and lots to talk about. Let's do it. Welcome to the show and Happy New Year, Rechot. How's it and Happy New Year to you? How's it? Thank you. How was your December? Yeah, it was quiet. Lots of games, lots of vibing. You stayed in Joburg, hey? Yeah, yeah I was staying yeah. up here, yeah. yeah. So lots, lots of beer. Lots of beer, lots of tinkering. Lots of beer and gaming, yeah. It was actually good. Okay. Sounds like the perfect Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was. At HTC Vive really makes you feel like you're in many places. It was, it was spectacular to have access to it for a while. So. What, what were you using on it? Uh, um, all of it. Google Earth, okay. Sam, Labs. Um, Google Earth must look amazing. Um, Google Earth is fantastic, but uh, yeah, I'll talk a bit mm, about it now. But but later, I yeah. can talk about it for hours. But yeah, it was mm. fantastic to to really, you know, spending time with technology in your own domain really yeah. makes you feel like hey, get you lots more hands on time with it, and you can kind of explore and tinker. And yes. yeah, I'm excited for the technology, and I'm keen to buy one, which is a yeah. problem. Yeah, they're not not cheap at all. Um, they're not. If you have a gaming PC, it's a nice add-on. It's a 15 grand add-on, you yes. know, it's, uh, it's not bad, but if you don't have a gaming PC, mm. you're going to flesh out a lot of money. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. We're going to talk about that in some more detail uh, later in the show. I um, I spent two weeks down on the garden route, which was most enjoyable. Oh, that's also one of the best Christmases to have. Uh, yeah, very pleasant. George, spent most of the time in George, which is actually a beautiful little town. Uh, it's not a town you really think of, George. Um, when people think of the coast, they think Plet, they think mm, Nisner, Nisner, they think those sort of places. But, um, George, it's a little bit in from the sea, uh, but they've got a beautiful beach or several beautiful beaches. Several in the beautiful area. beaches. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Herald's Bay, which is, which is really stunning, although a bit busy in December. Mm. Victoria the, Bay. Victoria Bay. There's My Wild, favorite, Wilderness, yeah. which is really nice as well. I spent many summers as a kid there. I've got family down there. Okay. Which, uh, okay. So I'm lucky to say that I know it well. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it was, we were lucky with the weather. It was a bit cold and wet when we arrived, but it quickly, quickly warmed up and mm. uh, it, was, uh, it was beautiful. So it was nice. It was the longest holiday I've had in. Probably ten years, so wow. uh, really, nice. really enjoyed it. Um, relaxed, and uh, the place we were staying had 100 meg fiber. So, what, what do you want? Fiber by the beach. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you take your drone with you. A drone with you. To no, beautiful I don't have scenery. a drone. I don't have a drone. No, I was just teasing you with that one. I know you don't have a drone, but that's the place where you want to fly one of the, a drone. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful there, um, and with the Otaniqua Mountains on one side, yeah. George nestled below, and then the sea on the Just stay side. away from the airport section, you'll be fine. 10 k's from the airport and you'll be fine. Yeah, actually, we were, <laughs> sta- we were staying about 3 or 4 k's from the airport. Yeah, it's very small. Yeah. It's very small. It is a small town, but beautiful. So clean and, and well-kept and mm. uh, you can see there's money in that town as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful part of the world. An amazing amount of people fly down weekly. Yes, you yes. Know, coming up here for work and going down yeah. there for a weekend. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's worth it, I think. Yeah, if, if, you, can it. <laughs> if you can afford it. If you can afford it. So uh, let's uh, before we get into our news, let's uh, let's do our quiz. Um, do you want to ask the first question? Sure. The first question of 2018, and this is a big one, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Show Maxio, uh, John Kostaftis has joined which international television group? Naspers is said to be leading an investment of two and a half billion rand in which Indian food delivery company? WikiLeaks Julian Assange has been made a citizen of which country? Microsoft has launched PowerShell, its scripting and automation tool on which two operating systems other than Windows. And the final question, Intel said last week that all modern processes can be attacked, exposing crucial data. What are the techniques called? And those were pretty big ones. Yeah, it was big ones. the biggest tech story over the Christmas period, and uh, we'll be uh, talking about that in the show today. Probably of the decade. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, since chips were manufactured, right? Yeah, certainly since the, the Pentium floor back in uh, the mid, oh, ni- yes. mid to late 90s. Remember that? that? All the jokes about the chip being unable to add numbers. Um, I forget what that, there was a name for that floor, and I forget what it was, but uh, it's, it's a biggie. It's certainly a biggie, and it affects, uh, especially cloud providers. Um, but we'll talk about that uh, a bit later in the show, because first we're going to talk about something very exciting that happened at MTN last week. First day back at the office, the 8th of January, Monday. Uh, earlier this week, in fact, mm. um, MTN uh, ran the first trial, public trial of, demonstrated at least, or took the wraps off, I should say, the first 5G trial by a, uh, a, a mobile operator in South Africa. 
And the results were super impressive, I have to tell you. Um, I saw the screenshot. You were <laughs> bragging about it. <laughs> Damn. It when was, did we get this? It, yeah, it was fantastic. very, very, very impressive. Now, this is very early days for 5G. Mm. The terminals they were using uh, were massive. I mean, we're talking large crate-sized containers um, that, that eventually will be shrunk down into smartphone size. Sure. But uh, what they were able to demonstrate, and it was the same when 4G launched and 3G launched. Yeah, they, yeah. they started with these, these sort of big test units. Um, but what they were able to demonstrate was consistent throughput of over 20 gigabits a second. Now, to put that in perspective, the fastest um, commercial avail- commercially available fiber to the home connection in South Africa is one gigabit per second. So we're talking 20 times faster over a mobile connection. Also talking a 20 times bigger phone bill, data bill, right? <laughs> yeah, the data but prices are obviously going to have to come down here. Yeah. Um, but amazing. what And of course, in real world, we're not going to see those sort of speeds. I For mean, sure. this was in an ideal test environment. You know, we'll get there eventually in the wild, but um, for now, we're not I mean, what, would that, what do you reckon that would equate to in the in the real world? I mean, what would the oh, downfall be? Four, five hundred meg- megabits per second? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I'd be surprised if there isn't gigabits connectivity probably. in the wild. It'll probably it'll it'll have to rival fiber at least. I think the technology yeah, throughput will be yeah. on par with that, yeah. which means it will have gigabit speeds. Exactly, exactly. But we're we're a long way from from seeing this for various reasons. The first is that. Um, is that it's very expensive to deploy uh, and it's going to be limited, I think, to certain urban settings to start, I think, uh, in the form of states, certain estates. Certain? Estates. Housing estates and suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's going to use very high frequencies, which at least initially, which means it's not going to penetrate far. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll find the airport and coffee shops, the usual places where they put Wi-Fi is the first place you're going to see. And lots of people because... Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but you're not going to see a big tower going up in the middle of your suburb to deliver 5G services or towers being retrofitted mm-hmm. for 5G services. I don't think, at least, not yet. Uh, not until 5G gets deployed on lower frequency bands. Uh, and that's going to take a lot longer. And we've got a particular set of challenges in South Africa, as, mm-hmm. as, as we both know, uh, with um, the fact that the mobile operators haven't actually been licensed with 4G spectrum yet. They've been refarming 2G and 3G for 4G. Mm. So they haven't actually got the 4G spectrum yet. Now we're talking about 5G spectrum. So ICASA licensed, provided a temporary license to MTN to do this trial. I think it lasts for eight months, I think they said. Um, and they're using, wait for it, 800 megahertz of spectrum uh, in the, I think it's the 15 gigahertz band. So basically, they're using the whole 15 gigahertz wow. band yeah, yeah. Uh, to do this trial. Um, now, Vodacom is also uh, has also announced last year that they'd be running a 5G trial. They, MTN was the first to take the wraps off their trial. Mm-hmm. Presumably, mm-hmm. Vodacom is going to provide some details about their trial as well soon. MTN was doing its trial with, or is doing its trial with Ericsson, and Vodacom is trialing with Nokia. So I expect that um, Vodacom will have uh, a media conference or something in the sure, not-too-distant sure, future where sure. they're going to announce this, and no doubt where they'll attempt to produce speeds in excess of 20 gigabits a second. Cause well, so you can go the fastest. Obviously, you've got to try and outdo the, the competition. He wants a bigger quote. But what about the handsets? I mean, what handsets do they use to test on this uh, for 5G? No, do, do most con- mo- no consumer handsets. There are no handsets yet. Um, so, they oh, so they were actually using terminals. Like, they were using terminals. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Went, went, okay, exactly. The first um, ZTE, in fact, announced uh, in the US um, this morning, or it would have been last night, their time, that uh, they're going to be bringing the first 5G handset to market and, and possibly a modem, uh, Wi-Fi type modem as well by early next year. So I think we're, lo- we're looking at 5G handsets starting to proliferate into the market in 2019. The desktop modem, that's a good point. I didn't even thought of that. I mean, with, this, with, with 5G capabilities, having that route in your house with mm. that capability makes a lot more sense than having it in your handset, which, let's be honest, with fiber these days, 4G isn't... 4G isn't as much of, we, you know, we don't need as much speed on our devices, what we need, just access to good data all the time, consistently. And when I think we get home, we want... And I think that's one of the problems the mobile operators have is figuring out what the application is for 5G. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, as you say, especially if you're only using data, uh, mobile data on your, on your yeah. smartphone, then 4G, and even 3G for that matter, and I, I'm, I'm a telecom mobile customer, and I was roaming on MTN 3G, when I was on holiday, and it's perfectly fine for on a smartphone. You Social don't media need. updates, posting. Even watching photos, YouTube yeah. videos. I was watching YouTube videos on 3G. It was absolutely fine. The screen is only so small, right? So it's not going to, you know, yeah. 
draw down those big files. So f- figuring out what the application for for 5G is, and they had some ideas. There was, uh, there was this um, demo they were doing uh, where you put on an HTC Vive headset and we're down in a mine and it would give you real-time information. They, they cool. had a demo of... Um, of, of, a, of a sports game where they could feed real-time information about what's happening on the field because of the low latency of 5G and the high speed, they could um, provide information mm. to a television studio, for example, with real inf- information. They can convert a player into a graphic, for example, in real wow. time and do cool, interesting stuff like that because the latency, first of all, is amazing. It's fiber-like latency. We're talking less than five megabits per second and as low as one, sorry, five milliseconds, milliseconds yeah. and as low as one millisecond which is f- fiber, speeds, yeah, fiber, fiber equivalence, and, and we're talking 20 gigabit per second connection. So this, you know, the applications still need to be found for this stuff. No doubt once the, the mm. connections are out there, people will find ways to use it. Exactly. But for me, it's, I mean, the more I think about it, it's, it's not really about the application, I think. It's if we have this technology rolled out like we have normal cellular networks, mm. so let's say 10 years down the line we have 5G everywhere, That'll mean, obviously, fiber's got a lot, uh, lot more competition, but it, it would mean more people have access to just much better quality infrastructure or, mm. or, or connectivity, no matter where they are. Mm. So verticals like sports, uh, agriculture, if a farmer wants to control his drones or his tractor, mm. you know, he doesn't have to set up point-to-point links. You know, mm-hmm. he can use the cellular network, for, for lack of a better term. Um, because it's all connected at high speed, low latency, which means I can connect to anybody in the world at a low latency from a mobile device mm. anywhere in the world, even if I'm in a des- desert or on the beach. Yeah. I think that futuristic vision of what this world is going to be when everything's connected, and technology li- like... Live streaming becomes... I mean, yeah. you, you put a camera on a drone and you live stream over the 5G network or you... Exactly. You um, Another application that I can think of would be in autonomous vehicles yeah. uh, that need to be connected all the time. Um, you could have a heads-up display mm. on your on your screen, some sort of augmented reality type display. As you're driving down the highway, it'll tell you next off ramp your buddy's having a beer at, at uh, the keg, or um, it'll show oh, you, yeah. oh, the shop on your right has a you know 50% discount on jeans or whatever. That sort of augmented reality type application, which which 5G might enable. I mean, you could probably do it with 4G as well, but um, but you have you have access to. The, the type of connectivity you today can only get if you're connected to a line. Yeah. I mean, even 4G has got its limitations with these high data. I mean, you can stream a 4K video fine on mm. 4G, but 5 is down the line, we've got 8K, maybe 16K. Data packets are going to be much bigger. Mm. You know, a, a 100 meg line won't cut it anymore, you know. Mm. So, and, and I think it's future-proofing yourself or you know, ourselves against that kind of thing too. Yeah. It's not just about getting faster speeds because we're going to have a gigabit connection. We're going to need a gigabit connection. Because data packets are going to be, mm. or the data we transfer is going to be so much bigger. Mm. Of course, the other thing about 5G is how f- important fiber is going to become in delivering it. Uh, oh, the backhaul. The backhaul yeah. is going to be so crucial. And that's where I think guys like Vimatel um, and OpenServe and others are in a very strong position. Because they've deployed all this fiber all over suburbs. It's not that difficult to just run a fiber spur up a telephone pole. Because mm. this is going to have to be a very dense network. Uh, especially if we're going to be deploying it at ultra high frequencies like 15 gigahertz mm. or even higher because that the, the, the signal doesn't propagate very far and it doesn't penetrate buildings very well so you're mm. going to have to have a very dense network many towers or a very d- or, or a many towers. Or be- a backbone that can 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 handle the yeah. traffic well you're going to have to have many base stations but not the base stations you understand today with a big tower mm. sitting in the middle of the suburb that's 20 meters high the base station is going to be a tiny little device that's going to sit inside a street lamp oh, okay and okay. they're going to be uh, one street might have hundreds of these things um, but they all have to be connected somehow, and you're not going to put microwave backhaul on every lamppost. So um, you're going to need you're going to need fiber, and the fiber to the home guys have wired up the city. They've got if you look at their maps, they've got every street has just got fiber running up it. So there surely here is a huge business opportunity for these guys to work with the mobile operators or possibly do it themselves. Yeah, uh, please don't dig up, don't trench any more guys. Just <laughs> use what is there. <laughs> But it must, it must be a big opportunity for them oh, yeah. uh, to, oh, yeah. to as, as 5G rolls out. And it'll, again, it'll only be in probably wealthier, denser urban areas where it oh. happens at least for the first year or two, yeah. um, yeah. especially if it's only on high frequencies. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Vumatel and, and, the, and companies like that are sitting on a potential gold mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So um, I'm going to be recording a podcast with Giovanni Chiarelli. He is the Group Chief Technology and Information Officer at MT in South Africa next week, where we're going to unpack the 5G trial in a great deal of detail and um, and talk about, you know, answer some of the questions about, you know, how long it's going to be until we actually see these services, when are the handsets coming, what, what will the handsets look like, um, and just generally what we can expect from this technology. So I'm, I'm expecting that's going to be a, a very interesting discussion. Looking forward to that. So I, uh, Tech Central does a, a, a survey, not a survey, a piece of research every year looking at the best performing shares of the year. And uh, of course, this year is no different. And we've looked back at 2017 to have a look at which companies did the best and which fared the worst. Um, the, the list of uh, JSC tech companies has shrunk, unfortunately. There have been some delistings over the years. Um, but uh, int- always interesting to, to crunch the numbers and go through them in some detail and put them in a spreadsheet and, and start to look at, you know, who's really done well and who hasn't. Um, because, you, you know, you're looking at the stock market, but you don't always, can't always follow, you know, how everyone's doing. You get an idea of how companies are performing and that sort of mm, thing. Mm. But um, it, it's always interesting to actually put them in a spreadsheet and have a look at. But you do need the numbers. You need the solid numbers of with, course you do, with yeah. these kind of things. Yeah, so yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you, you need this. Of course. So um, I pulled this all together a couple of days ago, and it was really interesting to see who's performed really well this year and who's performed atrociously. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the top two performing companies, um, and I included them in the tech category because they use technology, uh, are both vehicle tracking and fleet management companies. Uh, they by far outperformed all the other players. Mixed Telematics was number one, um, but their share price rising by 89% in 2017, wow. which is an admirable f- performance given the weak state of the economy. And CarTrack Holdings, its a direct competitor, rising by 81%. Uh, I don't know these companies very well, but um, certainly they're obviously doing something right. Mm. Um, and, and this isn't a once-off performance. These companies have been performing well over a longer period as well. And uh, also perhaps a bit surprising um, to see a number three, a company of this size, is a NASPAS. Share price rising by 72% in 2017. And this was off already a very high base. Market cap sitting around at the one and a half trillion rand level. And uh, all driven, mostly driven, by its investment, of course, in Tencent, the big Chinese internet company that in which it owns a 33% stake. And Tencent had a huge, huge year. Its market huge. valuation exceeded that of Facebook for the first time. Uh, and that company just continues to invest and invest and invest. And I was actually speaking to some guys, some Chinese guys from Huawei um, just before Christmas. And I was talking to them about uh, Tencent, and I said, well, what do you think of this thing? You know, you guys are from China. Um, is, is this valuation on this thing justified? So they opened up their phones, and they showed me this Tencent service, Tencent service, Tencent service. Oh, we do this, this, this. Everything's in WeChat or, uh, or whatever, whichever app it was. WeChat yeah, is huge. And they do everything in WeChat. And they said everyone, everyone in China uses it. And they were said, you know, this thing is is massive. So I was convinced, okay, there's real value here. <laughs> real value here. Wow. Um, whether Nuspash is going to go up another 70% odd this year, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really hugely valued now. It's still trading at a huge discount, of course, to the value of its stake in Tencent, which is a, a bit bizarre. Um, but I suppose investors want direct exposure. Um, Nuspash sitting on some other assets, that, which um, I'm sure are quite valuable, including mm-hmm. multi-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making uh, internet investments around the world in e-commerce businesses, class- online classified businesses, and increasingly in food delivery services. Um, so who knows? Um, you know, they're sitting on a very rich valuation. I think their trailing price-to-earnings multiple is sitting around 35, which is quite high. But wow. then again, Tencent is, 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 I think, growing at a, a faster clip than that. So maybe these valuations are justified, and maybe they can continue growing this year. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm brave enough to buy the share. I was going to say, do you, is this time for us to buy? Or should we stick with Bitcoin? That we don't understand either. I mean, yes. Um, so the rounding out the top five were Ultron in fourth place um, with a 37.7% improvement. I think it's a continuation of the good performance in 2016 uh, as they um, turn the business around now, led by Mteto Nyati, the former MTN South Africa CEO. Um, I think, I think the performance of that company is going to be closely watched this year. Uh, I think there's, if they get the turnaround right, there's still a lot of upside potential there. And a huge group, which is um, a, a small niche uh, telecommunication service provider, 
Um, they recently appointed, um, well, not that recent, I think it was about a year ago now, appointed Duarte de Silva, who's a former top-rated um, equities analyst and uh, also mm-hmm. a former banker, as their chairman. Uh, and they've um, they've refocused that business, and they're doing very well. So a huge group, up 22% in 2017. But over three years, they were the best performer, up 317%. Hmm. So um, that's a huge group. And um, looking more down towards the uh, bottom end of the list, where you'll see all the red lines, <laughs> all the red coloration, the worst performer this year uh, was Adapt IT. Um, software services company, I think a bit unexpected really. Uh, Adapt IT has been a market darling for many years and their share price ran up, ran up, ran up all the way to the end of 2016 and then they put out some results, I think it was around Feb, March of last year where they said their organic growth had slowed and the market was took a bit of fright to that and the share price was sold down aggressively falling 60% in 2017. Mm. Now I note the share price has started rallying strongly in the last few days. Um, uh, I think it's up about 20 or 25% since the beginning of the year. Um, and a lot of analysts are pegging Adapt IT to be uh, a big um, winner this year. Uh, suggestions has been sold off too hard. And um, the results are coming out, I think, uh, the year end is December. So we should see results around mid-February, uh, maybe a little bit later than that. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see what those numbers look like. But uh, if there's uh, signs of that organic growth number going up, then Adapt IT could... Uh, be the best performer this year who knows <laughs> and eoh uh, which is also an it services company had a dreadful 2017 yeah. um some of it of its own creation um you know we've spoke about it in some detail i think in our second last podcast of last year so i'm not going to rehash all of that but uh, some of the directors they're forced to sell shares um in i think it was in early december uh, they were in flooding the market with sales because they were in they were caught short uh, in um, share purchase agreements and uh, the share price tanked as a result because there was market which is flooded with sell orders and it fell all the way to twenty six rand ninety nine I think it was um, bounced up again once those sell orders were out of the market but it's still down fifty eight percent on the year and uh, also for a former uh, high flying IT share it's over three years down thirty eight percent it's uh, um, not not a good good show, but I suppose um, brave investors will jump in now and make a make a fortune. <laughs> I've got a question. Can anybody actually tell me what EOH does? I've <laughs> it's it's the same with you know any of these uh, these these corporates that do consulting services. Yeah. yeah. What do they do? What do they do? IT Maybe services. Nebulous IT term. services. Yeah. I certainly see EOH offices all over the place. Wherever you go, yeah, yeah. there's lots of them. Yeah. Uh, well, just here in Joburg, here in Ramb, you go to Ramburg, you go to Midrand, you go to Bedford View, which is the head office, but all over the place, Santon, they've got buildings that say EOH on them. They're, they're, they've bought a lot of companies over the years, and some analysts criticise them for that and say that uh, you know they've been you know, they've been using their expensive paper mm-hmm. to to buy these companies. It's all going to unravel at some point. Hmm. Um, they, I think the answer is they do a lot uh, across the board, broad IT services from networking to consulting to you name it, software, ERP. Yeah, they're a broad-based IT It's always been one of these companies that you just, you can't pinpoint, you can't put, I mean, you know, you kind of know what they do, but yeah, yeah you also don't. Like, I mean, these, these broad-based IT services companies are all kind of the same though, aren't they? I mean, business connection. Um, true, true. They've got a wide variety of services and products that they offer. Um, and pinpointing them down to one specific thing is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Dimension data is probably a bit easier because they tend to focus on the networking side of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if the, I don't know what the future holds for these broad-based IT services companies. Whether, whether they make sense. Um, certainly, they've done well in the in South Africa historically. Um, they've been the biggest companies. Um, whether it was Persatel, which became, which merged into Q Data to form what eventually became Business Connection. Um, dimension data, which is also quite broad-based, but probably not as broad, broadly focused as some mm-hmm. of those players. They've, they've in, certainly historically been the biggest listed companies on the stock market. Um, because they've got the biggest clients. They've got big corporate clients. Big corporate clients, yeah. yeah. Who pay them a lot of annuity revenue. Exactly. Yeah. They're, playing a, they're playing a level that many other businesses like us can't, can't compete in. <laughs> <laughs> So um, Adapt IT and EOH may be, um, may, may be good performers this year. Um, I guess it's all, all down to those results, though. We'll have to see what they look like. Uh, and then among the telco stocks, uh, MTN was the best performer, um, but I think that's more coming off the, the very bad 2015-2016 that MTN had after the Nigerian fine and, and management shakeup. And I think Rob Shooter, the new group, group CEO, is turning things around there. Um, I certainly get that impression. I see a 
a renewed vigor in the organization, talking to the executives there. Um, there's a new desire to compete. Um, just the fact that MTN came to market first with uh, the, with the um, in unveiling a 5G trial says a lot to me because Vodacom's stated strategy is to be first in technology and to deliver the best network. Now here's MTN sneaking in the back door and saying, hey guys, we've got the first 5G trial. Um, and uh, you talk to them and they say, well, actually, we, our network is getting better. We're, we're aggressively competing. Um, we're going to make sure we've got the, the better network than Vodacom. So there's a there's a head-to-head battle going on, on here. And I think that there's certainly a renewed um, vigor, I think that's mm, the best word, mm. amongst amongst MTN employees. I'm certainly picking that up from my interactions with the, certainly with the executive management team. There's a, there's a renewed desire to compete and that has to be good for customers um not sure it's good for for mtn's competitors maybe it is <laughs> <laughs> so mtn up eight percent this year um still very low the share price compared to where it's been i think it peaked at around 250 or 260 rand a share sitting around the 130 135 rand level at the moment so potentially if they get the turnaround right a lot of potential upside there um vodacom uh, down four and a half, five, sorry, four and a half percent this year. Um, a rare down year for Vodacom. They've had a pretty, pretty uh, steady upward march in terms of their share price since they listed. I think it was back in two thousand and eight or two thousand nine. Um, so I think Vodacom feeling the pressure there. I think in large part because of the, the state of the economy and they're the biggest player in this market and you know the mm. pressure from that economy and, and competitors also cutting prices. I think they are feeling some pressure. Um, but still up 13% over three years. And then Telcom had a bit of a shocker this year, down 35% percent hmm. um, on poor, poorer, than, poorer than expected numbers. Um, uh, I think that all eyes will be on Sipo Maseko, the CEO, this year to see if he can turn that around because, um, you know, he, he has been doing a fantastic job there, but some of their divisions not doing that great. BCX didn't have a very good year at all. And... Um, I, I clearly got the impression that Seapor was not happy with the performance of BCX at the uh, results presentation. So we shall see in the next set of numbers, which I think is the full year to March, which will be out around May timeframe. So yeah, interesting interesting movements on the market this year. If you invested in the worst performer, you would have lost 60% of your money. If you invested in the best performer in the tech sector, you would have made an 89% return. And if you invested in Bitcoin, you would have won. <laughs> you would have won the whole <laughs> you would world. You won the game, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's not uh, talk about that because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an investor. <laughs> Neither am I. I'm, I'm bitter. Although it's come down quite a bit, I see, since uh, when, when we were talking about it in December when it was near 20,000 rand a share. Uh, sorry, $20,000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now sitting around 13 and a half. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that signals a buying opportunity, Rehard. Still, still a little bit out of my league there, Duncan. Um, maybe I'll buy fractions of the coin. You can buy fractions, yeah. Yeah, you can. You can indeed. It's uh, not as cool as saying I own one Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's also not as easy to calculate because if I've got 0. 0.0000018, I have to calculate how much is mine worth every yes. time the price. No. What are those fractions called? I think they're called Satoshis or something. I think they're uh, called Satoshis. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Never, I never heard that there was a name for it. <laughs> yeah, there is. And it divides, yeah. I think it goes down to eight decimal places. Um, 0.008 times hmm. uh, one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure I have the uh, cojones to uh, <laughs> buy Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, maybe I should just put a bit in. Uh, just, just a little one. Yeah. But I, I think this might be the year of the altcoins. Um, Bitcoin had such a great year in 2017, um, almost at the expense of some of the altcoins. So mm. I don't know. Um, a lot of guys have, are punting Ripple. Um, a lot of guys are punting Monero. Uh, some guys are punting Ethereum. So I don't Is know. Doge still a thing? Doge I have coin. no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I know a lot of guys were buying Ripple in, in uh, December and then it tanked 50%. Guess uh, that's when you buy it. Maybe. Good, good to tank another 50% and then another and 50%. Then you buy it. <laughs> just keep buying, just keep buying. Right? <coughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. But that's our, that's our wrap of the uh, best performing tech shares of 2017. We'll review that again in a year's time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my call just cut out. 
With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Running a business keeps you on your toes. Wouldn't it be great if your internet connection could keep up? Introducing Business Class Fiber from Vox. It's super fast, reliable, and highly cost-effective. You get unlimited calls to all SA destinations, and it's scalable. So no matter the size of your business, you've still got room to grow. Get connected with Business Class Fiber from Vox and see what super fast internet really means. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechot? How's it, Duncan? So the big uh, story, the international tech story, while we were, um, well, while you were playing with your Vive and drinking beer, and while I was uh, by the coast, while I was, uh, what was I drinking doing? beer? <laughs> <laughs> um, running around on boats in the Nizhny Lagoon. Oh wow! And also drinking beer. Um, there was there was a big story that broke, and that's around the um, chip security, uh, the meltdown inspector vulnerabilities in chips. Now, I've tried to understand this story, uh, and it's hugely technically complex. I've listened to uh, Security Now with, um, what's his name, Steve Gibson, uh, on the Twit Network, and he, he gives the best uh, explanation I've heard of it so far, and if you really want to dig down at that, I highly recommend listening to, the, to Steve Gibson's oh, yeah. Security Now podcast. But um, basically, and I'm, I apologize to anyone more technical than me if I mangle this, but and I'm going to give a very simple explanation of this, but my understanding of it is that... Um, Processes did something called speculative, speculative execution. execution, exactly, um, which someone suggests is the name for uh, capital punishment in Iran. <laughs> uh, I think I heard that on Twitter. Um, but they do speculative execution, and there is a way. Potentially, it hasn't actually been done. Apparently, and there's no no one's actually apparently been using this. Well, not that anyone would really using know. Using exploit, you mean? Using exploit, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. that anyone would know. I'm sure the NSA knows about it or has known about it for a while. But um, if somebody knows, somebody else knew before then, probably. Almost certainly. Um, but basically, this um, speculative execution uh, may have or can um, make. Uh, passwords and other sensitive information, banking details, etc., available to um, someone who has put malware on your computer. Yeah, because basically between – and the way that I understand it, and one of the best explanations that I've found was on Ask Technica's website, um, where they talk about basically how the computer transfers the data between you know the parts of the chip that needs to get that mm-hmm. information – but that information gets sent to multiple places, or it, it's a guess—it's a guessing game, apparently. So it guesses it gets, what's it going to happen out. next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that data—if you, I mean, that data is then available for 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 um, for inspection at least. Yeah. And if you know how to then get at that data in that inspection phase, yeah. Then you get you need to you need to grab a lot of data mm. to then piece it together. But the fact that it, it can sounds be very done, difficult to do, but. Um, but, but the fact that it can be done, the fact that it can be done means someone is going and, to do it. And every processor that's ever been made, ever been made, I thought it was only modern processors. Well, modern processors, but I mean, stuff that's currently running most most machines, mm. every computer that you've used, yeah, anything that does it. speculative execution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any computer that you're running that's that you've had for the last ten yeah. years, fifteen years, even, yeah. is definitely going to be vulnerable. Certainly, all Intel desktop mobile chips. Um, AMD also? AMD also, although they initially came out and said our chips aren't affected, it seemed that they are in some way. Um, Qualcomm came out and said only 5% of their chips are affected, presumably the high-end ones, uh, Mm. because I don't think the low-end ones are... It's a mobile processor too. I mean, I guess it's the the architecture where it was based on. I mean, if you build a a processor and you base it off one of the technologies that was... that was at floor year, or yeah. a floor year, then you'll have mm. that vulnerability. Where mobile processors were built on a different architecture. Yes. So uh, the reason this was done was to speed up computers because the chip would guess what's coming next and it's already executed it when you do it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is quite clever. But uh, they didn't think of the security um, r- impact of this. Anyway, uh, the, the fixes are, are already largely out there. Uh, Microsoft, Apple have all issued... Um, security updates to fix the problem. I've installed it 
on all my Windows computers already. I don't know if you've seen an update on, on macOS for it. Mm, I've been looking. I think I have been updated already before. Okay. I think they updated one of the previous updates was... Okay, patched. they pushed it out pretty quickly, yeah. The, the negative thing here is that it has an impact on the performance of your chip, of your computer. Uh, and Up uh, to 30%. They say up correct. to 30%. Intel has su- subsequently said it's um, no more than 10%. Still a big number in, in the grand scheme of things. Your average user probably is not going to notice it. Uh, but it has a big impact when you're looking at cloud computing centers, mm-hmm. big data centers that have the thousands of these chips running on servers because those centers are built to be as efficient as possible. And if there's suddenly a 10%, let's say 10% reduction mm-hmm. in the performance of those data centers, that is huge. Um, as an ordinary user using your computer, your laptop, it probably doesn't matter that much, mm, even if mm. you notice it, um, which I haven't, by the way. Yeah, I have noticed no impact. Well, I've had some other issues with my computer, but yeah, yeah certainly. You're going to talk about that. Later, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so for for I think for average your average desktop user, your average corporate user, uh, desktop user, if you've got a laptop. It doesn't really matter, actually. Just make sure your computer's patched. Yeah, just be patched. Um, but one of the big problems that did come out with this was before it was patched. Obviously, all these web servers, if mm. you're running on a shared server, that was one of the big security concerns because, yes. you know, you've got data from multiple web servers running through these cores. Mm. And it just takes, you know, one website to be hosted on that that's got the malicious code, mm. can infect the computer, get the data over enough period of time. Mm. That is a good point. I see the big hosting companies are already patching. Amazon, mm. I think, has already fixed the problem on their servers. Yeah, it's also patched. They were done oh, for they? a little while. They said they were just going to patch. And okay. Yeah, yeah, I think Hetzner is quite uh, sensitive about security <laughs> issues at the moment. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, if, you're, if, you, if your name's Amazon or Microsoft or, or Hetzner, <laughs> you, um, it's probably a bit of a headache for you. Um, if you run a server... If you maintain your own server, probably a bit of a headache as well. But mm, um, mm. for your average user, for your average corporate computer user, for your average home user, who cares, actually? Yeah, Just make exactly. sure you're patched. Exactly. It's not that big a deal. Um, and it'll be sorted out in future chip releases. Uh, and the other thing, oh, sorry, the other thing I wanted to mention about this was if you have a good antivirus or anti-malware package installed, you shouldn't really have to worry anyway because the only way that this can be exploited is if you have a piece of malware on your computer that exploits mm-hmm. it. So if you have a, a good um, malware program, anti-malware program on your computer already and Windows comes with one, um, then, then you're probably safe anyway. Yeah, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. If you followed the basic guidelines of owning a computer, you probably were fine. Yeah. You got antivirus on your Mac? I do. A oh, do you? G, yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Run it. But we should actually be running internet security, which I do have, not uh, antivirus. Okay. Because we don't really have viruses as much as what we have internet exploits these days. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm using, um, I was using the basic Windows one, um, but I've started using Bitdefender, uh, which has got very good reviews. Um, I, I decided to investigate whether the Windows 10 default antivirus software is any good. And the message is it's good enough. It's good, but it's not the best. Um, oh. And um, certainly, of all the guys who do this professionally, actually look at this stuff and and, and write reviews on the best uh, antivirus, anti-malware software, Bitdefender was right at the top of the list in a lot of them. So I decided to subscribe to that just to be extra safe. You can never be too safe when it comes to security. Indeed. And child protection. And? Child <laughs> birth control. Can never be too <laughs> oh, Rahat, where are you taking this conversation? <laughs> Is that where we cut the podcast? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll leave that. <laughs> but let's move rapidly along to our uh, last story. And you are going to be talking about this one. Um, that's the HTC Vive Pro. And I just uh, saw a couple of headlines on this. I haven't had a chance to dig down into it. But um, it uh, looks pretty cool from what I've seen. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the reasons why this piqued my interest was because I was playing with the HTC Vive uh, over December and um, yeah, it was such a phenomenal experience. I mean, uh, everything I've, to- I've told you about it before still remains true. I mean, it's a fant- I think in my my opinion, limited opinion because I haven't tested all of them, but it is a fantastic way to get into VR uh, if you can afford it. But the HTC, so, uh, HTC, I mean, one of the one of the I guess the drawbacks you could have you, you you can say that the HTC Vive, the current edition, have is the fact that it's Cable. So you have three cables running from the device to the computer, connecting to a little breakout box into your computer. Mm-hmm. 
what they've now announced, so HTC, HTC's announced a new HTC Vive Pro headset, which is, a, which is obviously upped in um, specs a little bit. It's got two front-facing cameras, which I'll chat about just now, um, and it's got the built-in headphones, and it's a very cool blue-looking color. Um, what they've then announced in conjunction with that is this um, wireless version, although third-party versions of this has been available. HTC's now officially launched their own version, um, but it's basically a little breakout box that you... Um, plug into the headset directly that connects um, using uh, Intel's YGIG technology back to the computer. So within um, you know, the space you need to, to walk around in your virtual world, you can be you know, wireless now. And that box is backwards compatible. But, and so that's only if you bought the original HTC Vive. But the new one, I must say, is looking very impressive. Obviously, it's got to increase, you know, better resolution. Um, what is got, the resolution? Uh, I'm just looking up the specifications now. What I is the resolution on the current one? Um, it's, well, it's 1080, it's HDA, 1080, 1920, I think, yeah, 1920 by 1080. Oh, 1080p, okay. Um, the new one, the increased resolution is 2880 by 1600 per eye. So you obviously have two screens in each one. Um, uh, so not 4K uh, yet. 615 PPI, 615 PPI. So the original one is 1080 by 1200 PPI. Okay, okay. So it is, it's what? Oh, so you probably double, double the, no, no, not double. But it's, it's quite a lot more. Yeah. 78% increase, they say. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a massive jump. And the original HTC Vive is very clear. I mean, you've seen it. It's really good. Mm. One thing I noticed was, I mean, you do get used to it, but your eyes kind of focus some places. You do get little uh, blurry spots. Um, because the inside of the lens has got these concentric circles to obviously um, the, the, the image shines onto these and these then disperse the light into your eye to give you that depth perception mm -hmm. of both eyes. I don't know how it works. Um, so having high resolution, I think, is going to alleviate that, that problem too with having these, these blurry spots. It wasn't an issue. You get used to it very quickly and you, and you know how to see through them. Um, but I think the overall technology improvement with the wireless, I mean, HTC is really surprisingly stepping up its game in the VR world, you know, coming from mm. the cell phone industry. Yes. Um, but I, if I were to bet money, I would say this is, this is the way to go. Um, they're also, obviously, they've partnered with Steam, uh, Valve Corporation on yes. the Steam platform, which yes. is a big one. So I the gaming a, side is... A lot of games are now in VR, actually. There's a lot of games, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that I really enjoyed, and I mean, Google Earth is one of the most spectacular ways you can, can enjoy. On a fiber connection, it must be amazing. On a fiber, because you've got, Google Maps now has, okay, so Street View and Maps have got this depth thing, so you can see buildings, and even on your desktop, if you if you tilt tilt the screen yeah, sideways, yeah. or tilt the, the, the projection, access, yeah, 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 yeah. you can see depth, and you can yes. see trees. So, I mean, I was walking over neighborhoods, and I could see, like, okay, I mean, you kind of know the neighborhood too, but you mm. can see the depth and you can see the trees and it feels like you can peek over into the, the top details of the amazing, actually. And, and the and maps, the resolution is much higher now. And so. all that 3D imagery is now available for the, for the main cities in South Africa as well. So you yes, can zoom yes. in and see your so own So I did house. go to a few cities yeah. too, and uh, I mean, I was walking around my neighborhood and it mm. was absolutely fantastic. Obviously going to places I've been overseas, yeah. you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, wow, what a place to, and you can, it feels like it's kind of 3D, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not, but it, the, it's, it's very close to. Yeah. But one of my favorite games, I mean, there's, there's a few of my favorite games, but one of the things that I think you'll enjoy is called Adrift. Now, if you remember Sandra Bullock's movie Gravity many years ago, Adrift is kind of leaning towards that where you, you're an astronaut floating around in space and you have to repair various things. So you can, you, you're obviously seeing a lot of nice visual, visual imagery. You're floating around. You're seeing really good space images. Mm. But then you, you also have tasks to complete and, you know, in a no-gravity area environment. Mm. Um, so yeah, Adrift is a fantastic game. I'd highly recommend to anybody. Okay. To, and then obviously Lab, which is a bunch of mini-games. Mm -hmm. um, a hell of a lot of fun um, because you, you immediately transform yourself into a different world. Once you step into that, once you put that Vive headset on, yeah. I mean, you can be anywhere. The, the Plank demo, I don't know if you've ever done that. Yes. It's another little thing. So for, for those of you that don't know what this is, it's basically the, it's, it's a basic demo. Um, <clears throat> it's a basic demo that w wants you to get into an elevator. So you turn around as it starts, go, go up in the elevator, and then it opens up. You're 30 floors up from uh, in a high-rise building, and you have to walk out on a plank. You've got all the audio, you know, kind of the audio effects around you, so it feels like you're in a, in a city environment. But it is nerve-wracking. Do you find, by the way, um, 
I, I haven't used a Vive for very long. The two times I've used it, just been in demos for a few minutes, five, ten minutes. But mm. I felt terrible motion sickness. Do you get over that, or did you ever feel I don't motion? Get, you I don't, don't get, get motion sickness. No, no. Um, I have seen people that do get it, and I believe it gets better if you use it more. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of motion sickness you're prone to, right? If you if you get sick on ships all the I time, do. you might have I do a I harder to, time adapting. To I take it. I take um, a medication when I go onto a boat. Yeah. Um, so maybe I just need to take. I don't know prolonged use if it'll if it'll make better. it better or not. Yeah. So maybe I just need to take a Valoid before I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put on my HTC. <laughs> but I mean, look, we'll, we'll, I'll get it for you, and you must um, yeah. you know, try it and see. That's the only way you get it. But mm. you can also remember you can also use a Vive sitting down. Yes. Um, so you don't have to have a massive space. You can sit in front of a computer and yes. Yes. do a lot of cool things. They've been. Uh, if mods I was looking for steady, it was fine. But I was when I was at MTN for the five G trial, I was trying out this uh, underground mining thing, mm-hmm. and I was looking around, and then the, I was on a little underground train, and it was moving through, and um, and I was feeling very uncomfortable. Yeah, like again with a plank demo, when you walk on that plank, you, your legs. Sh- I mean, it feels like you're there. So even yeah. for me, I don't get motion sickness. I couldn't walk out on the plank initially. I knew where I was. I was in my study, in yeah. my studio. I could see yeah. it. It's amazing how your but brain up, yeah, can't and then process it. you step off it and you, f- and you fall, yeah. that feeling of falling, you, you, I mean, you, your body doesn't know what to do because yeah. you're not falling, but yeah. it feels like you're falling. And yeah, it's, it's Horrible weird. feeling. It's weird. <laughs> no, it's kind of fun, actually. Oh, you like it? It's okay. It's the best legal eye you can have. Do you also like roller coasters? <laughs> kind of, but not really. Uh, okay. But I look, I, I didn't, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of heights. So for me, the plank demo was right. pretty freaky. Okay. Um, there's also Everest, um, Everest Expedition demo that you can do that takes you from base camp to um, Hillary Step and you've got a few a few um, mini games that Mm. you need to climb up certain things and pick up clothes I mean but it's beautiful detail it's like you are there in Mount Everest uh, on Mount Everest yeah certainly certainly augmented and virtual reality are going to be I think they're going to they're going to finally start to get commercial traction in a big way this year yes so the HTC Vive's obviously got the two front cameras now the new one the Pro Mm. and I mean, the first one, it's, it's kind of, it was put in so you can see parts of the real world. Not really, it wasn't really augmented reality. Um, it wasn't built for that because it was one camera and it's, it's just not. But the new, the front, uh, the, the HTC Vive Pro has got the two cameras on the front. Okay. So I can only imagine that their plans to, to make this a, 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 a augmented reality capable too. And then potentially one day bring out augmented reality version of the Vive as opposed to just sticking to VR. Okay. Because I think the two technologies are going to work hand in hand. You yes. want to use one one time and uh, AR one time and VR another time. Yeah. Yeah. When I first saw these technologies coming out, I thought, oh, no, man, what's the point? But I'm starting to warm to them. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a scary thing. I mean, like a good old Black Mirror episode, I can, I can totally picture a life where – if I had to step, if I wanted to step into a different world, you can completely live in it. If the technology is good enough by just putting on a headset, maybe have something that stimulates smell and feel. And mm. But with if you're looking at the HTC Vive, you can imagine that technology is just going to improve. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, there won't, there won't be these massive bulky things on your head in, in 10 years' time. They'll... The techn- we know technology always shrinks. It always shrinks, yeah. And the power just grows. So. Give me an implant in my eye. I mean, again, one of the Black Mirror episodes, <laughs> they put something behind the ear, and there you go. You've got, you've got all these capabilities. Mm. That's I'd, very likely I'd sign to up for that. It's probably, probably 30 years away. I reckon 10. You reckon 10 years? I think it's Implants. Yeah, I think it's soon. Uh, you can already get implants. There's, a, there's people with bionic implants. Um, mm. There's a guy that's blind that he uses bionic in his one eye I think to get pulses sent to him or both eyes I can't remember but I mean the, the stuff is there it's, yeah. it's in the labs it's not yeah. con- commercially you know you can't go to the shop or to the doctor and say give me one of those jack me up doc <laughs> yeah um, I'll let you experiment with that first <laughs> <laughs> I'll report back as soon as I get the implant <laughs> right um well, that takes care of the news this week. Um, we were going to talk about CES, but uh, we actually didn't get particularly excited about anything that really came out of CES. Was the Vive announced? I think so, yeah, the Vive yeah. was announced. That was, to me, was the one thing that stood out. But mm. everything else, it's stuff we've seen before. I mean, mm. I think it was LG that introduced a new thin TV, the wallpaper TV, but that's also not new. That was launched yeah. last, announced, well, that was available last year, yeah. really, I think. Eight, that 88, they also announced that 88-inch 4K, sorry, 8K TV. Oh, yes. But it's just bigger and better but, of what we know, right? Yeah, and we're not going to see it before, you know, 2022, 2023, probably. Um, but by then we'll have implants, and it doesn't matter what. 
this is another thing about the Vive, right? You can watch movies on this thing. So if you sit on the couch, you've got a, you're sitting in a big screen theater and it yeah. feels like it because you, you've got this massive screen in front of you. Yeah. It's a simulation of like a theater, right? Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, it sounds like a train going past outside. It's actually starting to rain. Oh, is it rain? Oh, wow. Got my head- aluminium roof. Got, aluminium roof. Got my headphones on here. It sounded a bit like uh, it sounded a bit like a train going past. Well, there's a when did a train come through Randburg? Um, <laughs> uh, entirely my fault. I uh, completely neglected uh, to um, chat to you beforehand about a winner and loser this week. So we're going to jump straight past that section <laughs> into our. We let everybody off for the first episode of the indeed, year. indeed. Um, so Rechard, what's your pick this week? All right. So I've recently been. I've I've got I'm a, a MacBook Pro user and I'm sure a few other users out there have had the same problem. But the kernel task has been running abnormally high randomly, mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of research on it because it's really been irritating me. I mean, it'll shoot the CPU usage up to 100 percent, and then I can't do anything. Like, um, and it usually happens around web certain web pages. I would have multiple YouTube windows open. So it was definitely something browser related. And I did some research and there was various reasons and it doesn't seem to be any definitive answer to fix this. Um, but it is a known issue. But anyway, so I did my research and I found a few applications that helped me to kind of track down where this problem is lying. What is shooting up my processor usage? I'm happy to say that I managed to find it and I killed it. But What was it? Um, it was a browser plugin. <clears throat> I don't oh, know which one. Okay. And it was, I also had something that was, um, um, it was in one of, the, so the software that I want to talk about allowed me to get access to some of the startup lines to see what's happening when my computer starts up and what's grabbing, um, you know, the processing power. And there were some lines of software that should have been deleted that I think kept trying to do something. Okay. And it couldn't do it. And every time I, it was browser related, browser plugin related. Anyway, right. so it was figuring these things out on a Mac isn't as easy as you do on a Windows PC. We don't have access to all those really cool things. Yeah. So there's two applications that I ran. I found um, on the uh, Apple forums actually. You know the fantastic forums where Apple themselves never reply to anything. So you have a good community of, you know, dedicated professionals who give advice on how to fix certain things. Anyway, these guys advised two pieces of software. I'll I'll link both of them in the um, show notes. Titanium software is the first one, and it's basically like a system utilities app for Mac OS. I mean, it's very basic looking. It's nothing fancy. It's not a Mac app. It doesn't look beautiful. It's just got a bunch of checkboxes, but it allows you to access certain things that's usually locked off to users in the operating system. So I can disable certain things permanently on startup, or I can, um, you know, change fundamental parts of the operating system that I want to um, based on what my needs are. I just came across this because I was trying to stop certain things on my computer from running. Okay. Um, you know, You're very patient. I probably would have reformatted my hard drive. I, I, I've already done that last year. I thought that would oh. fix the problem. Okay. So when this happened again in December on my newly freshly installed Mac, yeah. it was definitely... And I tried okay. various browsers and it seemed to happen across all browsers. So again, the plugin that was on Chrome, I don't think it was that just that because other oper- uh, other browsers did the same thing yeah. anyway yeah um and there's another piece of software and i really can't find it now because it's you don't install it you just run it and i will link it in the show notes but it basically runs a report for you that tells you everything that's happening on your computer in fact when you do anything with uh, mac repairs on yeah. the apple forum they ask you to run this report first um it'll tell you what's running in startup what's running you know during what's taking up certain things in your processor when yep. your computer is running at full speed etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it just pumps out a, a, a basically a, a text list for you and tells you what's good and bad hmm. um and it really helped me because that was bet- between these two things i managed to f- fix a problem although i don't quite know exactly which i can't pinpoint it but i did remove a lot of junk that shouldn't have been there mm. even after a format because clearly some of the things I've installed afterwards was the culprit some of the stuff that I used okay um, so if you have that problem if you have a better solution I would love to hear it but I think you know this is a place to start and Great. I did a lot of reading up we'll include include we'll include <laughs> include the link, link in the in the show notes on the on the website my pick this week is um, a bit from left field I guess it's a it's a torch a flashlight it's called the Nightcore MH40 GT now uh, I, I haven't really looked at the, uh, the the torch or flashlight market for many years. You kind of buy a torch, put it in the drawer, and, and don't think about buying another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a maglite, an old maglite torch. Um, oh, those are great. From like 20 years ago, if not more. And um, 
you know, I was always kind of happy with it, and it, you know, did its That's job. Right, it's the workhorse, yeah. It was very heavy. You could, you could uh, if someone tried to attack you, just hit them. Seven hundred grand batteries, those big yeah. fat D cells. D cells, yeah, and you just bash someone over the head if someone if someone's giving you a problem. Security tool, yeah. Security tool, yeah. Um, so um, I started researching the torch market, and I came across the um, actually a friend of mine recommended it. It's the Nightcore MH Forty GT. And it's an LED torch, and I'm absolutely blown away at the quality of, of what you can get these days out of LED. This is a 2,500 rand, I think maybe slightly more than that torch. So it's not cheap. Um, it's also, I suppose it is relatively cheap compared to some of the torches you can buy. I yeah. see Take a Lot has a torch on sale for 40,000 rand. Wow. Um, this, um, so it's the Nightcore MH40GT, and it's got a throw of 903 meters. Wow. That's almost a kilometer. Mm. Um, it's got two beams. Well, you've got multiple beams. You can do different things with this. You've got an emergency mode. You've got an SOS mode. Nice, nice. Um, but it's it's a mean-looking thing, too. It's beautiful, yeah. It comes in a lovely case, uh, a protective case. It's a belt pouch. Yeah, you can put it on your belt. Exactly. Have you done that? Have you put it on your belt and walk around the neighborhood and flash it into... <laughs> and what, singing, I'm a lumberjack, man. <laughs> yes, I am. The Monty Python thing. <laughs> um, but it's um, the brightness of this thing is, is incredible, and as the high felt thunderstorm comes down, actually pretty good timing because uh, to demo it again because <laughs> uh, it's a bit darker in here it's than a bit it was earlier. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 incredibly bright. On its, uh, I forget the exact um, t- time, but if you put it on um, its standard mode, I think it lasts seven or eight hours, and if you put it on the high intensity torch, you'll get about three or four hours. Hmm. Um, but it's incredible. I, I had to go into our near po- nearby park the other night because there was a security issue, and I went in with the local security company. Yeah. And I switched this thing on, and I shined it, and I was absolutely amazed that I shone all the way to the other end of the park. Um, it uh, at night. It's. I mean, it, it, you, you can't appreciate this in in daytime. And yeah, no, torches are best used at night in any case, right? Yeah, I think I, I suppose <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> Um, but it's but really even in a lit, lit office like this, yeah, I mean, it it's lights up, uh, massive. I, yeah. I was joking, you can use it as a studio light. I mean, you don't want to look into the fusion, you can probably do it. You seriously do not want to look into the front no, no, end of this thing. That's crazy. Um, but w- what's amazing is the tiny size of the LED on this thing. I mean, have a look inside that torch and see how tiny that LED is. And consider that that you throws light over 900 meters. LEDs is one of the most fascinating technologies. Um, I mean, do you remember that little round LEDs that we used to solder to our first circuit board when we played around as kids? I mean, that's essentially the technology's evolved into, you know, something that's incredibly low power Hmm. and like we see a massive actual light power throw. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's incredible stuff. So I'm very impressed with this torch and uh, I also had a chance to use it when I was uh, down in George. Um, I was staying at a friend's place uh, Martin, uh, who listens to the show, by the way, hello, Martin, uh, and um, we um, we had a little walk around uh, one evening on on the golf estate where he lives, and we were just shyly lighting the stuff up. And really, I was very <laughs> impressed with it. Yeah. Can we mount uh, someone? To someone, a drone? someone actually drove up to us and said, uh, "Is everything okay?" Because they assumed we were <laughs> looking for something or something had gone wrong. But be careful! Yeah, local authorities walk up to you and say, uh, "So, are you not allowed to hunt in this area? This is protected <laughs> environment." Indeed. <laughs> Um, so yeah, go check it out. I'll include a link to the Nightcore uh, website in the show notes as well. And I think that Drehard is our show for this week. Um, apart from our quiz results, um, let me uh, let me do the first question. Showmax CEO John Kotsaftis has joined which international television group? And that's Fox Networks. Second question: Naspers is said to be leading an investment of 2.5 billion rand in which Indian food delivery company? And the answer there is Swiggy. And uh, strange name that Wiki, yeah. WikiLeaks's uh, Julian Assange um, has been made a citizen of which country, and that is Ecuador. And of course, he was uh, before you asked the next one that uh, uh, he was uh, he's been um, ah, tongue tied. He's been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London for I think about ten years, f- no? five, six, Probably seven sorry. years. It's been a long time. But also, didn't he have some? He made some comment on Twitter that kind of. Uh, Angered the Ecuadorian president or I something. Do, I do vaguely remember and something. And now they were like, oh, do we still want him around? Nobody else wants to take him. <laughs> anyway. Well, now they've offered him citizenship and apparently wanted to make him a diplomat. But uh, Oh, wow. He's still going to be living in one house. He's not going to get out of there. Yeah, I can't see. He's got to go from the house to the airport, and that's where they'll nab him. They'll pick him up by a drone or helicopter and fly him out, and they'll live YouTube stream this. <laughs> it will be amazing. Anyway, we digress incredibly much. Fourth question. Microsoft <laughs> has launched PowerShell. It's PowerShell. It's, it's scripting an automation tool on which two operating systems other than Windows? And the answer there is Linux and Mac OS X. 
So now you can get the C, C prompt on your Mac, Richard. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out, although I don't really have a need for this type of thing. Yeah. But, you know, Microsoft's doing interesting things, getting people to use Microsoft software, programming, developing the for the platform, you know. I'm particularly surprised about it on Linux. I mean, Linux pe people use... Won't use Windows for a reason. They've got their own, uh, what do they call them, Bash shells or uh, uh, Bash, I think it's yeah, called yeah, Bash, Bash yeah, yeah. basic... What's it stand for? I forget. It's a shell. Scripting something. Yeah. So this is a competitor to that, but I, I think there's so many of them on Linux and everyone has their favorite. And given the history of Microsoft and Linux, are there Linux users really going to be using PowerShell on their OS? Maybe they will. You give the drug free away first yes. and then once people start using it, you, yeah. you sell them something on top of that. Well, that's how the software industry works. There's definitely a bigger <laughs> plan here for Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> And our last question, Intel said last week that all modern processors can be attacked, exposing crucial data. Uh, what were the, or what are the techniques called? And uh, the answer there, Meltdown and Spectre. And that's our show, and also apparently the end of the thunderstorm, <laughs> which lasted all of about five minutes, uh, which I'm actually quite glad for, because I'm not gonna get soaked. As always, if you have any feedback, the email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next week, from Rechada myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.